Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here again. Thank you, James, and thank you for the invitation to, to be here again with you. If I were to invite all of you to a wonderful banquet right after the service, I'm sure that most of you would appreciate the invitation. You'd say, well, it's not true because we don't smell any food right now. <laughs> and besides, with COVID, we probably wouldn't be able to do that with social distancing. But I'm sure we all enjoy getting invitations to banquets and to parties and things like that. And uh, earlier this summer, you might recall, I was invited here to speak, and I spoke on the topic of God's invitations. And so this message this morning is part two of that message. At that time, when I spoke last, we recall that God is an inviting God. God does not force himself upon us, nor his blessings on us, because God respects our free will. His invitations can be accepted or they can be declined. If, it, if that were not the case, it would not really be an invitation, but rather just a demand. And there are many invitations in God's word. And this morning I'd like to review the ones that we looked at last time, as well as look at some other invitations in God's Word. So the first one we looked at was an invitation for forgiveness and salvation. We see that in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. I believe it's on the board there, the verse. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. This is such a generous invitation in light of the fact that, that we're all sinners and we deserve to be judged and punished for our selfish, sinful, and rebellious behavior. But God loves us so much that he graciously offers to forgive our sins when we confess and repent of them and generously, generously gives us the gift of salvation and forgiveness. It's an invitation that I need, that you need, an invitation that is so generous that we would be foolish not to accept God's invitation. I'm so glad and grateful that I have received God's forgiveness and salvation and I trust that you have as well. And if not, we just accept it simply by faith and saying, God, I want that for myself. And by faith, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your gift of salvation. The next invitation is an invitation to follow Jesus. Matthew 4, verse 18 and 19 says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers... Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. The invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation that gives our lives purpose and meaning. We are invited to follow Jesus as his partners in sharing the faith and building his kingdom. 
Another invitation is an invitation for an abundant life. Jesus' words in John 10, verse 9 and 10 says this, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not only does God invite us into a new life, into salvation, he invites us to have an abundant life, which includes love and hope and peace, contentment, self-control, gentleness, goodness, all the fruits of the Spirit. As we know, many people's lives are very shallow. They are empty. Their lives are filled mainly just with entertainment and and prone to addictive behaviors, just living for themselves. But God invites us into a spiritual life of maturity and fruitfulness that focuses on our eternal souls. We also hear the invitation of God for intimacy. In Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The idea of a meal is a symbol for intimacy, for a close relationship. I remember when I was quite young, there was this show on TV, and I don't remember all the details because I didn't watch much of it because I thought it was quite boring. Uh, but uh, the, the idea of the show was that there was some kind of competition, and at the end of this competition, the person who won, their prize was to spend a day with this wonderful celebrity, usually a, a, a Hollywood type of celebrity, or it could be a sports person, whatever. And then the show would also show what they did on that day. So it was a competition to spend time with a famous person. But here, the invitation is from God, the creator of the universe, our creator, to have an intimate relationship with himself, not just a day, but a lifetime. We know that at our conversion, God's spirit, God's Holy Spirit, enters into our lives and unites with our spirit and we can have close fellowship with God. We can connect with God through our spirits, through our emotions, through our thoughts, through our prayers, through our worship, and through our lifestyles. God knows us intimately and he offers us the joy and delight of knowing him. As the psalmist declares in chapter 16, verse 11, in God's presence is fullness of joy. Those are the ones that we looked at last time. Now I'm going to introduce a few other new ones. The first one is we are invited to belong to a family. Can you imagine what it would be like to be an orphan child with no parents to raise you? No other siblings, no other relatives. Imagine growing up as an, in an orphanage with no experience of family life or sense of belonging, acceptance, and love. 
I'm reminded of that, that movie that I like a lot in our family, we enjoy watching, Anne of Green Gables, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with the movie or the book or the story. And at the beginning of the movie, it, it shows her life in the orphanage and how, how sad she was and how lonely she felt and her miserable existence there and how she longed for and she imagined, she always imagined being in a family where she belonged and where she was loved and accepted. But that was not her experience. And she was sad and miserable. And then she gets this invitation, this invitation from Matthew and Morella to join their family. And she was so excited and she was looking for it. And you remember how she meets Matthew at the uh, train station and she talks just a blue streak and she's so excited and she's, oh, she meets Morella. Oh, I'm so glad to be part of your family and so I can be accepted and I was such an orphan and now I'm, my whole life is going to change. And she was so overcome with joy and emotion and excitement that Matthew and Marilla just didn't have the heart to say, you know what, we actually really just wanted a boy and you have to go back to the orphanage. I mean, they said it, but eventually they took her in and she became part of their family. God's gracious invitation to be forgiven and for salvation is also an invitation to be, far, to be part of God's family. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that a great blessing? The right to be called the children of God. As we accept God's gracious offer of salvation through repentance and faith, we are adopted into God's family. God is our Father. Jesus is our brother. And we are all God's children, brothers and sisters in Christ. This truly is a great privilege, joy, and blessing <clears throat> to be a part of this exceptional, divine, human family. And Paul makes it very clear in the, his letter to the Galatians that in this family, everyone is equal. There are no distinctions, no distinctions of race or wealth or class or gender. We are all equal in God's sight together. God's family is a place of acceptance and love and be belonging. And this family is to be a united family. And there are several things that unite us as God's family. The first thing is we have a common savior. Jesus is central to his family, obviously. And most families have a strong person who holds the family together. And often in our Western culture, it is the mother that kind of keeps everyone socially connected and plans and you know, invites people over for the Thanksgiving meal and the dinners and connects with people and calls people. And often the mother in the family is the connecting point. And at times in a family when the mother dies or pass, and passes away, the family often grows a little bit distant and they don't get together as often and they don't always connect as much. I'm not sure if that's true in your family or not, but that's often the case. But in God's family, as we know, Jesus Christ is the common denominator, the central figure and the head of the family. We as family members live our lives around and with and through Jesus. 
When we gather at our family reunions on Sundays or at other times in small groups, as the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. <clears throat> and when we do gather, Jesus is our focus. We gather to worship Jesus for who he is and to praise him and thank him for what he has done and what he is doing in our lives. We gather because we want to express our love and to celebrate together what he has done for us. And you know, it's not fun to party on your own. I'm not sure about you, but COVID-19 for many months, you know, kept people away from church. And it's just not quite the same thing, is it? You know, we can't, when we can't come together to sing and to worship and to fellowship together. So we gather regularly as a family to offer joint praise to our one and only Savior. And not only do we have a common Savior, we also have a common cause. Thinking of the analogy of a team. You know, right now the playoffs are going in, in hockey and basketball, and there's a common cause to win that trophy. And as believers, we have been automatically drafted onto God's team, where Jesus is our captain and our coach. As God's people, we, his church, have this common cause of serving God. We are invited by God to be involved in the most important cause and adventure in this world. We are to be God's kingdom agents. We are to proclaim through our actions and through our words and our lifestyles the reign of God and his glorious kingdom of love and justice and righteousness and joy and salvation. We are invited to this common cause to share God's love and salvation with those who have not yet experienced it. It's great news that we should not keep to ourselves. As part of God's family, we want to accept God's invitation to be on mission with him, to be his faithful kingdom agents proclaiming and demonstrating this kingdom of God. But you know, we can't fulfill this mission of advancing God's kingdom on our own. We need one another. We need to work together. We need to support one another. So we gather on Sundays. We gather in small groups. We gather for coffee with one another to support and to care for one another. As united, loving family, we need to pray for one another, as we've done this morning already. We need to encourage each other. We need to care for one another. And as the Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, he says that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice, as we did this morning. And we're also to mourn with those who mourn. And we are to live in harmony with one another. As we have seen, it's gratifying and fulfilling to receive God's invitation to be a part of God's family. I'm so glad that I can be a part of God's family. The next invitation we see is an invitation to rest. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm also going to read it from the message, which is a paraphrase of scripture that says this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. 
I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What a wonderful invitation to rest. And we all need rest. I just returned from several days in Canmore, together with my wife and her sister and, and husband. And it was a great time to be in the mountains. We had great weather. It was wonderful to be able to sleep in, to get up and have a leisurely breakfast, to spend some time enjoying the mountain views on a walk and bike rides and reading a book and, and just being together. And it was extremely restful and refreshing. Rest is a wonderful gift from God. Have you ever had a very busy, stressful, active day? And at the very end of the day, late at night, you can hardly have the energy to brush your teeth and get ready for bed. And that you finally do, and you just lie in your bed and just go, oh, wow. Isn't that a great feeling? To finally be able to rest. Or perhaps it's been a very stressful week. And then finally you get to the end of your week and, oh, yes, it's the weekend. I can finally let down and rest. Or perhaps it was a difficult month. And then you get a long weekend. And, oh, I can hardly wait to get to the long weekend. And you finally do it. Oh, yes, I made it. I can rest. Or perhaps it was a very difficult year. And you were looking so forward to your holiday, just being able to take a break. Our bodies were designed to need rest, and the rhythms of day and night provide for rest. We see in the book of Genesis that God himself rested, and he invites us into rest by providing a Sabbath day of rest for each week. The concept of Sabbath in Scripture has the idea of to cease from work, as well as it being an opportunity for worship. And the Sabbath is to be viewed as a gift from God that he invites us to receive and not a burden, as the Jewish leaders had done in the time of Jesus, who had made it a burden because of all the rules that they'd placed upon it. I, have, uh, I like to play tennis, and one of my tennis friends is a Jew, actually, and uh, we play sometimes on, on Friday afternoons, late in the afternoon, and, uh, and he talks about, oh, I'm so glad because after we finish playing here, I get to go home and prepare for the Sabbath, and I'm, which is Saturday for them, and I'm looking forward to it so much. And he talked about how the Sabbath for him was very life-giving. He would spend time at the synagogue. He would spend time with his family and with his friends. And of course, for the, for the ladies, it's a blessing as well because <clears throat> they do all their cooking beforehand. So on the Sabbath day, they don't have to cook as, at all. They just maybe warm up the food. And he was just reminding me how Sabbath for him and his family was just such something he really looked forward to. It was such a, a refreshing time for him. However, most of us evangelical Christians, we don't do Sabbath-keeping very well, do we? We don't rest very well 
At least that has been something that I have dealt with in my own life. I remember when I was a child, I did actually, I did not really look forward to Sunday because that meant going to church, which was quite boring for a child because that was kind of like an adult thing and they didn't really have children junior church when I was a kid. You just had to sit there and, and uh, be still and that was not always easy for a young boy to do. And then we weren't allowed to do sport activities and my parents forced us, all of us five kids, to do something very, very terrible on, on, on a Sunday afternoon. And that was to have a nap. Can you imagine that? Parents making their kids have a nap. And that was not something that a young boy would want to do. In fact, that's what I tell people. That's the definition between a child and, an, and a young person. When they actually want to have a nap, then they've kind of advanced from childhood to, <laughs> to adolescence is when they actually want to take a nap. <laughs> but Sunday was not something that I looked forward to very much. But we see in Scripture that the concept of Sabbath is based on creation where God himself rested. And we also see it as based from the Exodus when they were led out of slavery. So those are the two bases for the concept of, of Sabbath. I noticed one positive thing of this COVID-19 that it has is, is forced many of us to slow down a little bit, except for people who are on the front lines which might mean more work for many of the nurses and, and doctors and other people in different industries. They work actually even harder. Or if you have a parent with small children uh, and the kids aren't in school anymore, maybe it's even more work and energy. But for many people, it has caused us to slow down a little bit. And for many months, we weren't even able to go to church on Sunday. And I noticed for myself, I don't know about you, but I slowed down quite a bit. And even my Sundays changed. I didn't have I, we didn't go out to church, right? So you stayed home. Stayed home and could spend time with your family. You could sleep in longer. You could take a long afternoon nap. You could just relax and enjoy, read a book, do something. And I noticed that, you know, other times Sundays were quite busy and active for me. But I noticed by Monday I felt much more refreshed. And I actually enjoyed my Sundays during COVID more than I had beforehand. Recently, I, I read a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by Pastor John Mark Comer. And he was telling in his story uh, how he, his church, a big church in California, and uh, they had different satellites, different places where they met to worship. And he was preaching six times on a Sunday. Imagine that, preaching six times on a Sunday. And he was working, he was in the fast lane in his whole life, he was just so busy. And uh, he didn't even take a time much for a day off. He had a day off, but he said he used that day off to work at home to do his chores and do his banking and to run errands and fix things. And, and so he really didn't have a day off, per se. And he was getting to a breaking point. He was stressed out. He was very, very, very close to burnout and a, a mental breakdown. And then he finally just said, you know what? I need to stop doing this. And he needed to learn. And one of the things that he learned, he learned several things. You can read the book. But one of the things that he learned was to Sabbath differently. And so he says now what he does on, on his Sabbath day, his day of rest, his whole family, they take their cell phones, their, all their technology, and they just put it in a box. 
So no technology. And he just spends his time in doing two things, in worship and rest. And so when things come up, and people invite him to do things, he, talks, he thinks to himself, does this involve worship? Is this restful? If it is, then he'll do it. But for him, it's a time to take time to, to rest, to sleep, to read, to go out with a friend for coffee, to do something that he enjoys doing, and to focus his time on rest and worship. And he says, you know, it changed his life completely because now he says, I have the energy to face the rest of my week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and by the time that the middle of the week comes along, I'm already looking forward to my Sabbath. He says, the best day of the week for me is my Sabbath day because then I can be refreshed and renewed and spend time with God, spend time with family and friends. Sabbath is God's gift and he invites us into rest. How are you doing in your Sabbath keeping? Are your Sundays or whatever day your rest is, it could, be, could even be perhaps a different day, but it's a time when we can rest and worship. The Sabbath the Bible says, was created for mankind. And God invites us into receiving this gift of Sabbath rest. <clears throat> but rest is not just restricted to the Sabbath. Note here in this passage that we read from Matthew that Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, come to California or to Alaska or somewhere else. As we know, holidays in a different place can be exhausting. A lot of people, when they go on a holiday, they need a holiday from a holiday. <laughs> Isn't that true sometimes? I just need a rest. Oh, the holiday was so hectic, going from here to there and there, everywhere. But we notice here that rest is not just a place or ceasing from work. Rest is found in a relationship with God. True rest is resting and trusting in Jesus. Do you remember when you met that someone from the opposite sex that you really liked? What was one of the first things that you tried to do? Well, if you were like me, you tried to impress that person. You want to make an impression on them and you want to impress them so they will like you, right? So people do all kinds of things. You want to show off how beautiful you are, how handsome, how smart you are, or how funny, or what a great baker or cook or a great person you can do sewing and make things or be a sports person and, and you want to impress. When I first met Lillianne, I wanted to impress her with my athleticism. To be honest, I don't think she was too impressed about that because <laughs> athletes, athletics don't really inspire her at all. And she tried to impress me with her baking and, and she did a good job at that too, I must admit. But you know what? Once we fell in love and we were deeply in love and once we were married for, for some time, we actually stopped trying to impress each other. Yes, we still tried to please one another, of course, but I didn't have to impress her by winning a tennis tournament in order for her to love me. And she didn't have to make the most amazing cake for me to be impressed so that I would love her because we loved each other for who we were. We didn't have to impress or earn their love and respect. Well, we can also rest from trying to impress God or to earn our salvation, or to earn God's forgiveness, we can rest in our identity and relationship with God, knowing that we are loved because we are his children. We can rest 
in God's love and acceptance for us. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says this, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. We don't earn God's acceptance and favor from our efforts. We can rest in knowing that we are truly loved and accepted through, through, God's, through Jesus' death on the cross and when we receive and accept his offer of salvation, we can enter into the rest of salvation. We also see a beautiful picture of soul rest in Psalm chapter 23. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. This imagery, this picture of Jesus being our shepherd truly is a picture of rest. Jesus knows our needs and he offers rest for the weary. I'm sure that some here today are, are in need of rest. Perhaps you've been really working hard or going through some difficult situations in your life, perhaps related to the death of someone or a loss of something or a difficult relationship or a problems at your employment or lack of employment. In our frenzied, busy society, we can feel guilty at times if we are not being productive or if we're being busy. But we should not feel bad or guilty when we need time to take just for rest. And we should not, other, we should not judge others when we see that they are resting as well. It's okay to take a rest and focus on being refreshed in Jesus and to be reminded that his yoke is easy and his burdens are light. As Jesus mentioned in Matthew there, he says, my burdens are light. And at times, we tend to take on the burdens of other people or other situations, but we are not to do that. Jesus' burdens are light. And finally, we are invited to enter into God's eternal joy. Imagine if you were invited to an all-expense two-month holiday to the place wherever you would like to go, and you can take as many friends and relatives as you like. Wouldn't that be great? A great invitation? Spend two months, maybe somewhere in Europe or the Caribbean or wherever. And you would think, oh, that would just be too good to be true. Well, there is a similar type of invitation, only it's much better than that. There's a parable that Jesus told about what will happen when we are stand before him at the end of our lives to receive, uh, to, be, to give an account of our lives. And there's one person, he tells a parable, right? One person was given five talents and one was given two and one was given one. And he says, go and invest that and later you will give an account. So I'll just pick up the story here in, in Matthew. <clears throat> says, also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. 
So here we see that the reward for faithful service is the privilege to enter into the presence and joy of the master, which is God himself. God graciously invites all believers to spend eternity with him and other believers as well. So not only does God bless us with material things and spiritual blessings here on this earth, he invites us to spend all eternity with him and fellow believers. A place, the Bible says, of eternal joy, of peace, of goodness, of righteousness, of holiness, of rest, and of beauty. This invitation to spend eternity in paradise is an invitation too good to pass up. And we receive it through faith when we become part of God's family. So just to review, <clears throat> we've seen the new ones for the day, the invitations, are the invitation to belong to a united family where there is love and acceptance. We have a common savior whom we worship and a common cause and purpose of serving in God's kingdom. A family where we can encourage, love, and support one another. I trust that you have accepted God's invitation to be a part of his family and are an active, active participant. <clears throat> we have also received God's invitation to rest, to experience the gift of a regular, life-giving Sabbath rest, which we all really do need. We also are invited into the rest of Jesus where we, have, we can stop trying to, to impress God or to earn God's favor and relax and enjoy his acceptance of us. And Jesus also invites us as the good shepherd into his rest where we can have our souls renewed and refreshed. And we are invited into God's joyful presence for all eternity in paradise. I trust that by faith we will accept God's gracious invitations, and we do so by faith, by saying yes to God's invitations. And then we are to be grateful for the invitations that God gives us. Let's just take a moment of silent prayer to reflect and to respond to God's invitations this morning. <clears throat> Father God, we come before you and we are, we are grateful that you are a gracious God. You are a gracious God who loves to give to us and who invites us to receive you and to receive your gifts and your blessings. Pray, Lord, that we would just say yes to your invitations by faith to enter into all that you have for us. We are grateful for them. So we say thank you. Just remind us, continue to remind us of your invitations. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <clears throat>